turn to Exodus chapter 3. My goal this morning, as I mentioned last week, was we would spend one Sunday and look at the life of Moses, and next Sunday, today, we would look at the life of Joshua. God has different plans. We will once again look at the life of Moses. As we look at part two of Rearview Mirror, uh, this past week, we, we, we bought a new car not too long ago, and, and we received a, a notice that it had a recall. And against my better judgment, we bought it from a dealer that's not right here in Preble. It's in Beaver Creek. So we, we had to take the car over there, and the understanding was, we'll give you a, a rental car, a courtesy car, while you're getting your vehicle fixed. And I said, that's fine. As long as we have a vehicle, that's all good. Well, what I didn't know was they were going to give us a, a 2021 Nissan Murano with 250 miles on it, loaded to the gills. I mean, everything is electric. You get in a chair, it moves. Some of you know what I'm talking about, okay? And, uh, and some of you also know what I'm talking about when I say that we have a 1991 GMC pickup, and several times I've went to adjust the mirror, and the whole mirror come off. Anybody will say amen? Okay, you're with me. Well, part of this vehicle has a sensory uh, lift gate. I don't know, I don't know what it's called back door and according to the pictures all you have to do is just put your foot in a certain place and that thing's coming up what a great idea well Renee used it ran to the grocery store yesterday she goes would you come out here and I went out there and she was going it just wasn't doing what she thought it may do what are you saying that brother Greg because that's just a that's just a feature that cars have that have rear view mirrors because driving down the road I'm not going to check to see if my foot can open that thing I want to be looking in the mirrors and that's what we've looked at in the life of Moses now last week I introduced you to two that you, you probably have read their names but they weren't that popular in scripture but yet they were heroes Shipra and Puah they were midwives who God used to spare the lives of Jewish-born baby boys. Are you with me? And then God used Moses' sister, who we later find out in Scripture is Miriam, to help save his life. As she watches from a distance what happens at the river where Moses is hidden in that basket, and she sees Pharaoh find him and is moved with compassion by his cry. That's the Moses that we're talking about. He grew up in the palace. I mean, he grew up where he had everything, but one thing that never left him was his identification with the Hebrews. And we find that to take place in chapter 2 when he sees uh, a fight taking place one day and an Egyptian beating a Hebrew and Moses in rage kills the Egyptian and buries him in the sand. No one will ever find out about this. No one will ever know. He sees two Hebrews getting into it. And he gets on them. And one says, or will you kill us like you did one of the Egyptians? And he recognizes that he's found out. That he's found out. 
running for his life. The Bible says that Pharaoh becomes angry and wants to kill him. Hang on to that statement. And Moses runs for his life, and he ends up in a desert on the backside. He finds a wife. His father-in-law gives him a job. And he is run from God. Surely this is a safe place. No one knows I'm here, and I'll just do my thing. Chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. If you're with me, say amen. All right. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the back of the desert. Uh, some commentators think that's the west, west side. And he comes to Oreb, the mountain of God, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire. Okay, who appeared to him? Say it, the angel of the Lord. Appears to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now go and turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush doesn't burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. He said, Do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Lord, have your way this morning. Speak to us through your word one more time. Help us to rightly divide the word of truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It seems like to me, when you look at this story, there could be a good argument that Moses knew God prior to the burning bush. He never forgot who he was or where he came from. But it does seem to me, like in verses 3 and 4, that it becomes a game changer in his life. Now, for every Christian in here this morning, I want you to think back to when you got saved. I want you to go back to the time. I want you to go back to the place. You'll say, Brother Greg, I can't remember the date. I'm asking you this morning, do you remember the time? And brothers and sisters, if you can't, then here's what you're telling me that I hope I made a decision, that I hope when I die I'm going to heaven. The Bible says, These things have I written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know you have eternal life. 1 John 5, 13. You see, God doesn't play around with commitment. He just wants you to live with peace that you know Him and that the death that He died on Calvary was for you. So when you said yes to Him, listen, you said yes to Jesus. You said yes to his death on the cross. You said yes to his blood that paid for your sin, the tomb that was only used for a little while, and the empty grave. He lives, and because he lives, the Bible says, I can live too. And what great peace that is to know that if Jesus were to call me home today, my last breath on this earth is in heaven. I'm, I'm going home. I'm going home. Now, when you look at verses 3 and 4, and you see this game-changing event in his life, there's some things that I believe will help us. First of all, you have to recognize that God does the supernatural. God does things you cannot explain from time to time. How in the world could somebody believe there's not a God who has witnessed the birth of a child? Or for that matter... 
a baby calf. How God orchestrates all of this and allows a mom to, to be uh, able to carry a baby. And, that, and listen, that baby is protected. Amen? Is that baby not protected? How in the world have we gotten to a place in America where just a few minutes determines if, if it's a person or not? I remember when Renee said, hey, feel that, laying in bed one night, and that's old Drew kicking. I thought, oh, boy, he's going to be a corker. But just the sense of life, the sense of life, knowing that God has done this, we have to be reminded that God does the supernatural. Anybody want to say amen? We also have to recognize that in this story of Moses, he makes a decision to look and listen. And when God gets our attention by however, whatever means he chooses to do it, what he's wanting us to, is to do is to stop, look, and listen. And when you listen, you will recognize who's calling you. Why do we know that? Because in the scripture, verse 4, he says, Moses, Moses, God knows you. He knows me. And he knows what we need. Verse 6. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. And I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, to bring them up from the land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites. Uh, in essence, he's saying we're going to take them all. God has given the children of Israel the promised land. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I've seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Here's the first thing I want to discuss this morning, and that is that God calls Moses to a mission, to a specific task. And I want to encourage you this morning. Maybe, maybe you're struggling a little bit. Maybe you're in a little bit of, of a downtime in your life, a little depression uh, or despair or, or frustration or, or stale. You're just wondering what's going on. Listen to me. God has a mission for us. Let me remind you why you were born. To live 90 years and, and then go north of town and be put in a hole in the dirt and covered up and that's it? There's no guarantee that I'll live 90 years. God's mission for you and me is to glorify him with our life. Now, how do you do that? How do you do that? It begins by having a relationship with God. Because when you have a relationship with God, you begin to recognize who he is, that you're a sinner separated from him. You acknowledge that he's God. So how do I glorify God with my life then, Brother Greg, as a Christian? You share your story with as many people as God puts in your path. I remember years ago, I was your pastor here. I had a little Toyota. Today's car Sunday. I had a little Toyota that needed a muffler. 
And I was going to Dayton, so I said, I'm coming by Miami, Miami Valley Hospital. I think there's a Tuffy muffler or something right downtown. And there was. And I pulled in, and there was only two guys there. He said, I'll, I'll be able to do your car here in a little bit. I said, that'd be great. Went into the waiting room, and there was a young man sitting beside me, and he had a plastic bag. You'll say, Brother Greg, you're nosy. It was so thin you could read the cover of the book through the bag. The title of the book was called Kingdom of Cults by Walter Martin. I'm familiar with that. And I said to the young man, hey, I see you're doing some good reading. Here's his response. I said, are you a Christian? He said, no, but I'm searching. I said, can I share with you what Jesus did for me? He said, it'd be great. Got to share the gospel with him. He said that he would like to ask Christ into his heart. About the time I said, let's bow our heads, the manager came back into the office lobby where we were at and turned around and went right back out. He saw what was happening. He said, Brother Greg, why do you tell us that? To, to, to make us think that you're some great soul winner? No, that wasn't on the radar for my schedule that day, but it was God's. And all you've got to do is allow God to open doors. Because when he does, he will make a way. He certainly made a way, did he not, for Moses. You see, God called Moses to a mission. And as he called him, he identifies himself. Moses, Moses, verse 4, here I am, back in 5. Don't draw near to this place. Take your sandals off, for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Can you imagine Moses at that point? I bet he's doing like You know, he already sees a miracle in front of him, a bush that does, is not being consumed. Uh, have you ever burnt a live Christmas tree after, after Christmas? Man, just a little spark and it is consumed. Hot fire. In the midst of this heat, God says, you're standing on holy ground. And I have a feeling that Moses may have began to think things like this. This is the God of whom I heard stories as a child. Where did he hear those stories? I believe from the knee of his mother until he grew up in the palace. God lays out the plan. And, and when you look at it, it certainly is a remarkable plan. Verse 10. I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And what we see in this story of Moses is the supernatural. And brothers and sisters, God may not come to you and me in the form of a burning bush. But he knows what will get our attention. He may not use an angel, he may not use a fire, he may not use a bush that is consumed, but he will use something that will get you to focus on him, on his glory. Now, do I need to remind you of some things that happened in Scripture where God used the supernatural? How about an angel or a star that led to Bethlehem? Acts 9, verse 3, as Paul journeyed, he came near to Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. How about 1 Kings chapter 19, 
when God was coming to Elijah. Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains, broke the rocks into pieces, but the Lord wasn't in the wind. And after that, the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord wasn't in an earthquake. And after that, a fire, but the Lord wasn't in the fire. And after that, the fire and a still, small voice. God knows what we need. I love I loved the old song you might be familiar with. There is an unseen hand in me that leads through ways I cannot see. While going through this world of woe, this hand still leads me as I go. I long to see my Savior's face and sing the sweet story. I'm saved by grace. And there upon the golden strand, I'll praise him for his guiding hand. I'm trusting to the unseen hand that guides me through this weary land. And some sweet day, I'll reach that strand, still guided by the unseen hand. You see, God calls, and he's called each of us to mission. Amen? It's not just about existing. You kids heading back to school, playing on ball teams, man, it's not just about getting through it. It's about God using you for his glory for such a time as this. And I want to remind everybody in this room that we're closer to the return of Jesus Christ than anyone in human history. Oh, wait a minute. Another second just went by. We're closer. Amen? Wait a minute. There's another beat in my heart. That's one less than I'll ever get back. I love the fact that God's got a plan for us. Now, I must admit, recovering has been a little hard because I can't mow right now. But, boy, I've got a good mower. She gets on that thing. Last night I went out and sat on the tailgate of the truck, and I just thought, look how good she mows. You know why I'm bored? Because God doesn't call us just to sit around and wait to die. God wants us to be used for his glory. The reason some of you are bored in worship and coming to church is because what you've been doing is sitting when God wants to use you. Well, where can he use me? Well, let's start at the grocery store. Let's start at the gas pump. Let's start across the fence. Let's start wherever we're at. Amen? And God has a plan, and he calls us to be on mission. But I love the fact that he not only calls us to be on mission, he knows what we need for the mission. Because when you look at Moses' response, wow. I'm calling you to lead the children of Israel out of bondage from Egypt. Verse 11. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, I will certainly be with you. And this shall be a sign to you that I've sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. You see, Moses had been humbled by God. In this period of desert, shepherding and working, on the backside of the desert, living in obscurity, maybe he was content. God appears. And brothers and sisters, our first inclination when God calls is to resist it. 
You say, Brother Greg, how can you say that? I'll just say it in the life of our church, in the life of leadership. You would be amazed at why so many can't do something. Schedules, time, availability, boom, 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 boom. But yet the very same people who say things like that can get their kids to every practice wherever it is. You say, Brother Greg, don't you go there. I live that, folks. And now I'm watching our kids live that. And I'm telling you, what's the difference in me committing to a social civic group here in town where many of those, listen, if you don't pay your dues, you're out. Oh, now he's going to start talking about money. I don't know who gives what in this church. All I know is Renee and I lead by example. That's all I can tell you. Let me ask you a personal question this morning. Left field, left center, right center, right field. How are you doing in the, in the way of obedient tithing? Okay. God calls us to be on mission. And he calls us and he gives us what we need. You know one reason I believe God's been so good to us is because this church has always had a generous spirit. I think we realize we don't own anything. But because of the faithful giving of people, we can help people, we can help other churches, we can get behind church plants, and praise God, when many can't do that, God has allowed us to do it. And I thank him for it. God knows what we need. And Moses was no different than maybe you if you were asked to lead something. Verse 13. Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and to say to them, The God of the fathers of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to him? What shall I say to him? So I want to give you four things that, that really helps us understand the heart of Moses. The first is, what shall I say? What shall I say? Verse 14, God said to Moses, I am who I am. Uh, they'll understand who Yahweh is. And, and I can't help but think that Moses is saying at this point, God, you have to give me a little more than that. No, you just tell him that I am has sent me to you. So the first thing was, what shall I say? But he also had some bigger questions. Okay, Look at chapter 4, verse 1. Then Moses answered and said, But suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say, The Lord hasn't appeared to you. Not just what shall I say, what if they don't believe what I say? Look at verse 10, chapter 4. Then Moses said to the Lord, O oh my Lord, I'm not eloquent, neither before nor since. You have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. I don't have what it takes. Look at verse 13, chapter 4. But he said, O oh my Lord, please send by the hand of whomever else you may send. What shall I say? What if they don't believe me? I don't have what it takes. Can't you send somebody else? Those were as natural responses as anybody sitting here today. 
And he says, when you go, you just say the I am sent you. And I will lead you, and I will lead them. You know, the Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 7, For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us whenever we call upon him? The Bible says in Matthew chapter 28, Jesus promised in that great commission, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And I love Psalm 46, verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. He's the God of right now, right here, wherever you're at, whatever you're going through. He is our deliverer. Amen? Number three, Moses was not successful because of the gifts he had, of the charisma that he uh, portrayed the talents that he used nor the money or power that he had Moses was successful because of God's love and God's grace and when we look in the rearview mirror of our lives and when we look in the rearview mirror of our church history would we not say amen to the favor of God's grace and God's mercy um, went to an outlet mall the other day and it kind of saddens me. It's starting to look a little bit like a mall, meaning that one store is, is closed and then another and then another. Even some of the retail places that we would count as just solid. And I told Renee, I said, man, retail is really suffering. Let me tell you something that will not close. You ready? The gospel of Jesus Christ. You know that the Bible said, Jesus said, I will build my church. Ten years ago, we celebrated 60. Tom Rainer was our guest preacher. Do you remember that? Seems like it was yesterday. We put a plaque outside the entrance that said, I will build my church. Who said that? Jesus. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And you can watch all the news. You know what the problem is with some of us? All we watch is news. And here's what's happened to the news. Instead of broadcasting what has happened, the news now makes news. So folks, be careful. Be careful that we get our information from the Word of God. And the Bible says, as Don prayed, Jesus is coming. We do win. But make no mistake, the success that we have enjoyed and the favor of God's hand... That's my prayer. God, please don't take your hand off of us. And Moses recognized it was the favor of God. Spiritual significance is a matter of God's love and God's grace. And Moses was humble. Moses was obedient. And Moses was faithful. Now, when you look at his life story, he doesn't get to cross over into the promised land because he disobeyed God. And it was Joseph Or Joshua, I'm sorry. It was Joshua who was raised to watch Moses in his leadership. It was that Joshua who would take the baton and lead them. Write this down. Legacy. You know, there's a lot of talk about leaving a legacy. I want to leave a legacy to my family. 
Legacy is not what somebody leaves you. Legacy is what somebody leaves in you. Not to you, but in you. And the faith of Moses was seen by this boy named Joshua. Now, I'm not saying Moses also gives us a picture in life that we can mess up. But God is faithful. Greatest, the greatest mission, seek and rescue mission ever, came from heaven. And he came for you and me. I close with this story. Uh, Stacy and Kyle and, and the boys, they have a dog named Baxter. Baxter is a dachshund, but he's not full-blooded because he's bigger. He's like, has some beagle in him. Okay? Just a great little dog. Well, not, not too long ago, they had a vinyl fence installed in their backyard, and because it's on a hill, a few of the underneath the fence places are a little bit high, and Baxter learned how to escape. He's been out a few times, but he's come home pretty quick. The other night, Stacy texted her mom and said, we've lost Baxter. Kyle's been looking at him or looking for him for over 20 minutes, and, and so far, nothing. It was dark. It was, it was getting late, close to 10. And Renee and I, you know, you know when you get the call and you hang up and, and you know you should do something? We just looked at each other and said, let's go. So we shot up to Eaton. As soon as we got on Park Avenue, we rolled the windows down, started hollering and whistling, and uh, got to their house and pulled in the driveway. They said Kyle was up north now toward the soccer fields, and, and uh, his neighbor who has a dog was walking south. There's a dog park somewhere on Park Avenue. Uh, Greg, why don't you go down and walk the corn? Those are my instructions. I can tell you this, at night, pitch black night, walking in the dark on a corn row in people's yards you don't know is scary. All I could envision was Baxter being lost in that corn, not knowing which way to go. I was down there and all of a sudden my phone lit up. Kyle, I've got him, I've got him. And he was down at that dog park. So we got back to the driveway. Here come Kyle carrying Baxter, and Kobe was right beside him. When they got there, Kobe said, look at my knee, Papaw. And his knee was just raw from falling on the concrete. Kyle said, he's a big boy. I asked him if, I, if he wanted me to take him home, and here's what he said with tears streaming down his eyes. We're not going home until I find Baxter. Aren't you glad God came looking for you? Oh, you may be here today and say, Greg, you don't know what I've done. It, it doesn't matter what you've done to God. All you need to know is there's a God who loves you and is big enough to forgive you. There's a God who loves you and died on the cross to pay a debt for you and me that we'd never have to pay ourselves. And if you're a Christian today, you ought to just thank God in your heart for saving you. And if you're not a Christian, you ought to run to Jesus. Because he's been looking for you your whole accountable life. Do you know him? Let's all stand, every head bowed, every eye closed.